Welcome home, and thank you for joining us here on the Real Life Church Podcast. We are people of faith with the voice of hope who are known by love. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for uh, getting your boat out or your galoshes or umbrellas and making the journey today. I, I believe, man, it, wasn't worship awesome? It was just so good. Love that, man. Uh, so thankful to be here with you guys today. And uh, sometimes I like to open up with a joke. And uh, so there's recently a, uh, a pastor told a story of a gentleman who was uh, new to church and uh, was really needing a miracle in his life, and he found a wallet in the parking lot totally full of money. And he's like, wow, man, this is awesome. And so he told the pastor, he said, I found a wallet packed full of $100 bills and, and a bunch of money. And the pastor said, well, are you going to turn it in? He said, I don't know. I'm trying to decide if this is a temptation from Satan or a blessing from God. And so, so we all face temptations, don't we? <laughs> Let's pray together and we'll dive into God's word for us today. Father, I love you. Ah, oh, thank you for your chesed. Your perfect love. Thank you for your goodness, your grace. Everywhere sin abounds, you cause your grace to abound so much more. God, you have turned our prisons into playgrounds, and you are filling us with your joy and your grace and your goodness and teaching us how to love others. Lord, we dedicate these moments together. Thank you for your anointing that is here to set captives free. If there's people still stuck in prisons, I'm here to announce to you today. This is your get-free card. This is your day of freedom. So, Father, thank you for your spirit that's here among us, changing us, transforming us to be more like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Would you guys, uh, well, just one moment. Let me, I, I want to read a few scriptures. We've got several scriptures today, but they're all going to be based on a conversation that, um, you know, every once in a while, you need to be reminded of what you already know. Is that true? Does anybody, like, my, my wife, I have several people in my life who remind me. They're like, hey, you, no, you're going to, I'm like, you don't have to remind me. I know what I'm going to do. But if they don't remind me, I'm not going to do it, right? Is, is anybody, y'all, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all have great memories. But sometimes people hear me quote the scripture, and they're like, this guy's memory is off the charts. But sometimes I go places, and I forget why I went there, you know, so, uh First Corinthians ten thirteen. as a reminder, this is a reminder today, um, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Everybody say it's common. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make the way of escape. That's so good, that you may be able to bear it. <laughs> With the temptation, God provides an exit ramp, an exit door. He, Jesus himself was tempted. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But one thing I want you to, as we dive into this conversation today, uh, I, we're going to deal with Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. But I, I think it's going to minister to you. It's ministered to me, and it's really helped me this week as I've just kind of meditated on this story and reminded that we're all walking through some kind of battle. We're all, you know, a lot of times, sometimes we forget 
that just because right now we're in a season where we're not being tested, that it doesn't mean somebody somewhere isn't being tested, right? And we have to remind ourselves that just because we're not being tested doesn't mean that we'll never be tested again, right? So um, I, I want to talk just for a few moments about this because one of the things we need to consider as we talk about temptation um, is that, number one, your temptation is not unique. Your temptation, you know, some people, well, you just don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand how I'm being tempted. No, your temptation is common to you. And here's good news. It's not just common to you. It's common to everybody. <laughs> so sometimes it feels good to know that you're not cray-cray, that everybody gets tempted, right? So when those moments when you feel like, man, the devil's after me, he's chasing me down, he's breathing down my neck, I'm struggling with this, I'm, I'm struggling, I thought I was free from that. I, I know y'all don't know anything I'm talking about. But, but sometimes it's helpful to remind ourselves and re that Jesus overcame the enemy, and he didn't just do it uh, to give us freedom, he did it to show us how to do it. He did it to show us how to do it. Now, your temptation is not unique. They're common to you. And your struggle or your temptation doesn't make you unique. It makes you human because we all are being tempted. I'll show you this as we move through this today. But the good news is God is faithful, and he is able to help you when you are being tempted. And with the temptation, God puts in a trap door of escape. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to preach myself happy today. Would you guys stand with me? I want us to read this story. And in case you're familiar with it, um, shake yourself because let's not become too familiar with the stories. Let's not become overly familiar and check out because we think we've heard this one before. So be present. Be here in this moment. Let's read the story together. Read the scriptures together and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, empower you, and bless you, encourage you, and build you up today. Is that okay? So I want you to, uh, uh, let's read this together. This is from Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. We could really just stop right there. I want you to notice something. Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Woo! Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's always troubled me. We'll talk about it. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing and afterward, when they ended, he was hungry. That'll make sense here in a little while, okay? And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, authority and glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, uh, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, would you all just say this with me? Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. 
Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw, now the devil's quoting scripture, y'all. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is, now the devil's saying it is written. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, everybody say every temptation, he departed from him, I hate this next verse, for an opportune time. <laughs> so, isn't that messed up? The enemy's like, I'm, I'm, I'll be back, but I'm going to wait for the perfect moment to mess with you, <laughs> right? So um, y'all can be seated. I, I want to deal with this today, and uh, I, I want to talk about this, and I feel like it's going to be super helpful and practical. Um, Hebrews uh, chapter 2, verse 18, I love this, says, for in that he himself has suffered, he is also able to aid those who are being tempted. Everybody say being tempted. Being tempted is really important because being tempted is a present participle, which means when Jesus was being tempted, that it wasn't like the enemy just showed up once. Being tempted is an ongoing, present tense, continually trying to tempt him. So sometimes when we imagine the story, we imagine Jesus wandering around, skipping rocks on a river, trying to, you know, Lord, what do you want to say to me? No, the enemy was constantly harassing him, constantly trying to get him to take the bait, constantly trying to get him to lose his beloved identity. We're going to talk about this because he's asking him, if you are the son of God, which is certainly cruel because this moment happens after Jesus comes up out of the water the heavens are parted the voice of the father speaks when the spirit of God lands on him we read it together Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit here's the voice of God saying over him you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased but when he, the Spirit drives him into the wilderness, this always bothered me. Did anybody ever read this and you're like, dude, that's messed up? Not just me, okay. Um, so it's always bothered me because I'm like, wow, he gets filled with the Spirit. He hears the voice of God, the John saying, this is the Lamb of God that takes away, which is also a present participle, which means he takes away and he keeps on taking it away, and he keeps on taking it away, and he keeps on taking That means the blood is always stronger than your sin, and if he took it away once, the same Jesus will keep on taking it away. Ah, that's so good. But the enemy kept on tempting. But in this moment, it's always bothered me, and, and, and it's, it's, he's filled with the Spirit, and now the Spirit now drives him into the wilderness to be tested, to be tempted. And I'm like, well, that's not good news, right? You know, like, if we get filled with the Spirit, does that mean, okay, here you go. 
Why don't you go face the devil now? And I always thought, man, this feels like a setup for a failure. This feels like a setup for a disappointment. But no, this is, this is a setup for victory. Now that you know you're beloved, now that you know, the Spirit of God is in your life, you're now able to tread on serpents and scorpions. And I'm here to announce to you, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you've been filled with the Spirit and you know you're beloved, this is your time for victory. You don't have to wait till you die. You don't have to wait till you get over. You, you can have victory in your life. My God, one day it's going to dawn on us, the devil is defeated. He wants you to think he's still a foe for you, but the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, when, when, when the world to come happens and Satan is brought before us, this is what Isaiah says, he prophesies what our response is going to be. You mark it, this is going to happen, put this in your spiritual uh, bank vault. This is coming to pass. When we see him, we're going to say, this is he who deceived the nations? What? In other words, why did we let him get away with that? Because we've been filled with the Spirit, and now God is giving us the the everything we need to live victoriously. Ah, man, that is so much good than living as a victim. That's so much better than living defeated. So much better than just hang on till Jesus comes back. The same spirit that was on Jesus, that was in Jesus, is now on you and in you. The same spirit that invaded Mary's womb, the same spirit that emptied a borrowed tomb is the same spirit that's in you, that's on you, that is empowering you to overcome every temptation in your life. Ah! That's so much better than just speaking in tongues. I love speaking in tongues. I'm going to put this on the tag of my car, 1 Corinthians 14, 18, which says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. I'm all about it. But if it can't give me victory over the enemy, then yabba dabba do. You know what I mean? But if, if it's doing something else, if it's clothing me with dunamis and authority, and you with dunamis and authority and power, you're not a victim to Satan. You're not, a, you're not something he can just push around and do whatever he wants. Matter of fact, Lester Summerall was on a mission trip one time, and he, sh he shared that while he was preaching the gospel, the enemy, the, the Satan came into his room and shook the bed and tried to put the spirit of fear on him and tried to tell him, I'm going to kill you when you go out there tomorrow I'm going to take you out you've messed up you're on my territory and shook the whole bed into the middle of the room Lester Summerall got up and said devil you've been defeated by the blood of Jesus now get out of here the enemy left and he said whoa 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 come back put the bed back and he shook the bed and put it back he said now get out of here which, that's a real story, by the way. That I'm not making this up. Like, well, we don't know who we are. And the enemy is always trying to keep you in this place of doubt. He's, 
He did it with Christ. He'll do it with us. This is a roadmap to success. This is, this is how you live in victory. And this is what he said, if you are the son of God. But that's cruel because if he is quoting scripture and he knows this moment, what did God say? You are my beloved son. See, if he can get, get you to devalue yourself, get you to think less of yourself, get you to think that you're just the, the enemy's mud trap and that you're, you're always going to be a failure, you're always going to struggle with this, this is always going to be your story, that no, no, don't tell anybody because they're, they're, they're never, you know. And this is Jesus walking through temptation gives us hope because being tempted is not a sin. And some of y'all feel like you're a second-class citizen, you're a second-class Christian because you get tempted. And I'm here to announce to you that ain't true. The enemy is trying to get you to feel devalued about who God says you are. I am reading the Bible. <laughs> Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. I love having and serving a God who is victorious. I'm glad we don't have a wooden carved idol or a stone idol that we just come and pay homage to and we make little statues and take them to our home that cannot see, hear, touch, taste, smell, breathe, or deliver. But we serve a God who was actively involved. Listen to me, actively involved in every moment. We sang about it this morning. He knows me. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> he knows me. Like this is profound. This is earth shattering. It's one thing if you believe a God who doesn't have power and doesn't care knows you. But if he knows you and he has all power in heaven and on earth and has proven his love for you by sending his son, then the Bible says if he gave you him, how, he, how shall he not with him freely give you everything else? I'm not here for blessings, but they just come with the journey. You're not an accident waiting to happen. You're a blessing waiting to happen. You're not a failure and a disappointment to your Abba. God is continually, and he knows how to aid us. I, did you hear that? He knows how to help you. And, you know, does it, maybe some of you have uh, prescribed, oh, my God, I'm almost out of time. Some of us have prescribed to this idea, right? Like, if someone else causes me trouble, God will help me, right? But if I cause the trouble, I know y'all ain't here, but if I cause my own trouble, then it's up to me to fix it, right? Because God could help me if somebody else cut me off in traffic. God can help me if somebody else stole my pay. Like, God can help me if somebody else, but if I cause my own trouble, then it's on me, right? Right? Yeah, I know y'all don't think like this. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, darn, I got the flat tire of my, you know, like I, if I messed it up, I feel like it's always my responsibility to fix it. But what I love that Hebrew says, listen, God is faithful. God is able to aid you, and he knows your weaknesses. God isn't just in the business of fixing it when somebody else messes it up. He's certainly in the business of fixing it when you mess it up. But that messes with our faith, right? Because we're like, 
God, I spent money I shouldn't have to do, to eat. You know what I mean? Like, now I can't ask him for money because I, I misused it. I know y'all ain't here with me. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to that. Let me look at my notes. Look at my notes. The temptations we face are not just about sin. They're about our identity. You got to hear this, okay? Interesting to me, Satan only half quotes what Abba said. He does not say, if you're the beloved son, then turn these stones to bread. He says, if you're the son. If you're the son, turn these stones to bread. So we're going to hurry up and go through this. Um, the enemy is always trying to point out our mistakes, reminding us of our failures, uh, getting us to become, uh, compare ourselves with everyone else, right? Trying to find our value in our possessions, our job titles, our income, or what we can produce. This is what's happening at the temptation when he's saying, listen, turn these stones to bread. He's trying to get Jesus to prove his value, to prove his self-worth by what he can produce. Our value comes from what God says about us. See, Satan would love for us to go through life feeling inferior, second class, like a failure, and always questioning your, your worth and your value. The temptation Yeshua faces is the one we face, and it isn't just about sin. It's about your identity. What if we looked at temptation as a trick, a test, or a trap to get you to identify with your weakness or your failures? Somebody online, you know, right? Nothing you can do or acquire will add value to your life. You can buy a bigger home, buy a bigger boat, build bigger barns, drive a nicer car, eat at the fanciest restaurant in town, and travel the whole world. And if you can afford to do that and be generous, go for it. But the truth is, some of it may add to your net worth, but it will not add to your self-worth. All of it may be fun, but it doesn't mean you're more valuable because you've done it or you have it. Our value is not found in what we can produce. Our value is found as God's beloved. And I want when you guys hear that to just... Feel the rose beginning to blossom inside you. Feel the, feel the rain. Feel the grace of God that's calling you. And, and this, is, this is a tough jump for some people because we're like, well, he calls Jesus that, but it's not fair for us to call ourselves that, right? Has anybody ever had that thought? Like, well, of course Jesus is God's beloved. He's perfect, and I'm not perfect. But if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The Bible says you are now accepted in the beloved. So good. Today, I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to fill you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, to give you victory. And, and remember that old song, these boots were made for walking. And that's just, I pray God puts on the gospel, of the, them shoes fitted, fitted just for you to get victory in every area of your life. Amen. Amen. Let me hurry up. <clears throat> Let's see. Man, I've got so many things I'm going to have to overpass, but um, maybe we'll come back to it. 
Temptation number one. Y'all ready? I got three. Um, Temptation number one is performance. Turn the stones into bread. It is written, Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. What Jesus is saying in essence is I don't have to do anything to prove to you or to anyone else who I am. I live my life based on the word of God. I will not live self-defensive, self-promoting, and self-absorbed. Trying to impress everyone, competing, and always trying to prove something. My sustenance, my nourishment, my identity comes from the word of God and who God says I am. That's who I am. And you're not going to bait me into always trying to prove that I'm worth it. Let me ask you, are you ever tempted to grandstand, to brag, to inflate your own importance, your own spirituality, or your own intelligence? Do you showboat or brag about your experiences or revelations or accomplishment? If so, you're being tempted to turn the stones into bread. You're being tempted to, uh, to find your value in your experiences and what you can produce and not in who God says you are. So we're always competing and trying to showboat and grandstand and brag. And the truth is, you may have just fallen into the trap of Satan by trying to prove you're spiritual by everything you can show. Temptation number two, possessions. Satan says, I can give you all the wealth, all their authority, and all their glory if you will but worship me. Everybody say, get behind me, Satan. It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve only him. This is weird. This is interesting to me. What's up with that? Why does Jesus talk about worship when Satan's trying to get him with money? If you've never brought your checkbook to the altar, you may not be worshiping yet. You may be giving Jesus lip service because Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I'm not trying to get your money. We're not going to take up an offering. You can give it online, whatever, you know, but, but like I'm not after your money, and neither is God, and that's what you got to understand. He's not after your money. He's got the cattle on a thousand hills, whatever that means. He's got a bunch of them. Like he doesn't need your money, but you sure need his supply, and you sure live a better life when your heart belongs to him and not to your stuff. I am having fun today. <clears throat> I'm not <laughs> Matter of fact, this is this is interesting to me. While I was preparing this message, literally, I, I'll go tell him what I'm telling is the truth. <laughs> I'm literally typing this on my computer, and a guy calls me what, right after I wrote that. I, I put it in my notes. I can show it to you after church. It's hilarious to me. I'm literally typing, you cannot find your value in what you have. And a guy called me. He said, man, I just had to share this. I can't believe this happened to me. I just bought a brand-new car. It's the first brand new car I've ever owned in my life. I was so happy with this car. I was so ecstatic about this car. I would go out and just make sure it was still in the driveway at night and tuck it in. And no, he didn't really tuck it in. I'm okay now. Now I'm exaggerating. <laughs> but he, he had a brand new car and he was super excited about it. And he and while I'm writing this, he calls me. He says, "Dude, you're not going to believe what happened to me." I said, "What happened?" He said, "My brand new car just got stolen." 
I said, are you sure about that? He said, that's what I said. I walked outside with my work clothes on, and there's no car in my driveway. And he's like, this has got to be a bad dream. He rubs his eyes. He says, where's my car? I'm going to go back in the house and come back out and try this again. (laughs) And he goes in, and then he comes back out, and he's like, I don't have a car anymore. And I, I was like, you got to be kidding me, dude. I literally just wrote this, that you cannot find your value in your possessions. And Jesus said that, right? It might get stolen. <laughs> literally, Jesus said, it might get stolen. It might rust. It might corrupt. Thieves and break in. And, stuff. and I'm like, you cannot find your value in what you collect around you and all the possessions and all the goods in your life will not. Matter of fact, most of them will lose their value. Or it'll go out of style. Right? God promised he would give us the power to get wealth. You don't need to compromise your ethics, your values, or your identity to chase some form of self-security. Let me say it like this. Get behind me, Satan. We're, in America, we're all tempted with this one. What, what name is on your shoes? What name is on your underwear? What name is on your... I mean, it's all over the place, right? What kind of phone you got? What name? What model it is? That ain't got nothing to do with your value. That ain't got nothing to do with how much you're worth to Abba or to the people around you. Do not look for your value in a name brand or a name on your clothes, a name on your shirt, a name on your truck. You don't, your value doesn't come from that. It doesn't come from somebody else's name on you. It comes from his name on you. Amen. Amen. That's so good. Beware of the temptation to worship the creation and not the creator. Most of the stuff we have will wear out, break down, go out of style, and lose its value. But being beloved never loses its value. Temptation, last one. Neil, if you come play, it'll help them endure sound teaching and sound doctrine. I remember my buddy said, he said, you know why people can't listen to preaching very long anymore? He said, Paul prophesied it. He said, there'll come a day when people can't endure sound doctrine. That was for free. That was for me. Temptation number three, popularity. Now the devil is quoting the Bible. See, and this is a trick. Some of us think because it's a scripture that, um, (laughs) find out how to say this. Okay, I, I, I do this every time I get the mic. Some, we need to get a new mic. This thing makes you vulnerable. It makes you say stuff about yourself. You don't want other people to know. <laughs> How many of you have ever used Scripture to do something stupid? Thank you. Well, two people, thank you. The rest of you, you're smarter than me. I've used stuff like, my God shall supply all my needs according to his glory in Christ Jesus to take stupid vacations and go places and buy things that I didn't have the money for. But my God shall supply all my needs according to his glory. I know y'all don't don't know anything about this. I just thought of something funny I'm going to keep to myself. (laughs) Number three popularity throw yourself he takes him to the pinnacle i mean to the top of the temple 
to, to the apex where everyone can see him. And then he says to Jesus, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, the angels will catch you and they'll bear you up in your hands. And you know what will happen because of that? You'll be awesome. Everyone will say, wow, this guy floats on angels' wings. This guy is incredible. He's so, po I mean, do you, can you imagine your popularity? Can you imagine how famous you'll be if, if the angels bring you back down? It's a, it's a temptation for popularity. Or at least one way to view it. Um, you'll be famous. And Jesus says it is written. Now we're, we're talking about temptation, but check this out. He says, don't tempt the Lord. See, Jesus didn't give in to the lie of popularity or fame. On one occasion, Jesus entered Jerusalem with people cutting down branches, taking off their jackets, and screaming at the top of their lungs, making an absolute ruckus in the town, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blesses he who comes in the name of the Lord. And a week later, they were yelling, crucify him. You can't base your value on everyone else's approval, encouragement, or support, or attaboys. If you do, you will be all over the place. And Jesus knows this, so he doesn't give in to the lie of popularity. Matter of fact, the Bible says he makes himself of no reputation. If, you're, if, if our concern is always trying to earn the approval, the value, the praise, the hand clap, the pat on the back, the encouragement, and you, if that's a need for you, the devil will be tempting you to always try to prove yourself with your popularity. Wow. People are fickle. They can be for you one day and mad and disappointed at you the next. Your value doesn't come from the crowd or their approval or everyone else's fanfare or flattery. Wow. If you try to find your identity there, listen to me, you will be like a circus clown always dancing and running looking for everyone's attention, thinking that if they approve you, then you'll have value. Your approval from Abba is what matters the most. Jesus knew being beloved of the Father was better than chasing everybody else's approval and everyone else's attaboys. Jesus was baptized in water and filled with the Spirit. And my question is, have you been baptized in water and are you filled with the Spirit? Because these aren't just cool Christian doctrines that a Pentecostal church has. These are the roadmaps to victory. So let me ask you, are, have you been born again? Do you know Jesus? Are you filled with the Spirit? Right? Listen, God wants to give you power to live in victory. So let me, let me close with this. Do you know your beloved? Like seriously, Look at your neighbor and just tell them, say, hey, I am God's beloved. And since you chose that person, look at the other person. I don't know why you chose them. Look at the other person and say, I am God's beloved. When that becomes more than a cute church Sunday greeting, 
and it gets down on the inside of you and it starts robing you and clothing you and your identity and it starts becoming the truth of who you are, you'll quit having to perform. You'll quit having to try to be popular. You'll quit trying to prove yourself by how much money or how big your house is or how what kind of car you drive or what kind of clothes you got on. None of that will matter anymore. What Abba says about you will become your treasure. And that is how you overcome the adversary. The adversary is also called the accuser of the brethren. He, he baits you and then accuses you for taking the bait. That's cruelty. You're not subject to take the bait anymore. Anybody ever been fishing and couldn't catch something? Maybe they knew they were God's beloved, right? So would you stand with me? I want us to pray together. And if you have any needs in your life, man, invite our prayer team down to pray for you and minister to you. It's our joy to do that. But I just want to, uh, I want to bless you today. So this is one of the things God says, you know, because what, what I said, and I hope you heard it, was you don't need somebody else's name on you to tell you your value. You don't need somebody else's name on you to, to prove how awesome you are. It's his name on you. So we're going to obey the word of God today. This is what he told the priest to do in Numbers chapter 6. He says, this is the blessing you are to announce and pronounce over my people. And this is what God says, and I will put my name on them. <laughs> I wish I had two more hours to talk about what that means. Would you guys just lift your hands to receive the blessing today? As I say it, man, just... Just say, I receive it, okay? And, and I want you to just feel, I want you to feel him putting his name on you and calling you his beloved. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. Father, I thank you for the privilege and the honor to stand here in this moment. And I sense, God, there is victory that's coming right here in this moment. There are people who have been battling with temptations and, and maybe even getting their butt kicked and walking around in shame. And I just felt led to tell somebody today the same spirit that was on Jesus is in you and on you. And you don't have to live in defeat and you don't have to live in shame and you don't have to live as a disappointment. You are God's beloved. And agreeing with that and receiving that will set you up to begin to walk in perfect love and perfect peace. God is able to aid those who are being tempted. He will make a way of escape. God is for you. And if God be for you, who could be against you? I declare victory in every area of your life. I declare our sons and daughters are coming home. I declare the grace of God with where sin and temptation is at work. I declare grace is abounding in every area of your life. I declare God causes his smile to land on you, that you experience his favor. You experience promotions and blessing and the goodness of Almighty God. 
Lord, let them taste it, let them see it, and let them feel it. Taste is something personal, y'all. I can see something from afar, but to taste it, it's got to get really close. Lord, let them taste and see the Lord is good and that they are beloved. I feel like God's healing somebody of rejection right now. Oh, God's taking that robe of rejection off of you. That desire to perform, that desire for everyone's approval, that desire to to always try searching for someone else to meet that need in your life. I see that robe coming off of you, and I see a new robe coming on you right here today. It's called the robe of beloved. I did, I, come on, just receive it. Say, God, take take that old identity off of me. Clothe me in beloved. Clothe me in beloved. Some of you feel like such a disappointment. God's removing that shame right now. Oh, God. Let him roll it away, beloved. Let him roll it away, beloved. God, I pray, let this word fall on good ground today. I declare your good ground. You're his beloved. God, robe them in your favor. Clothe them in a coat of many colors, God. Let them walk around as the Father's favorite. Bless your people, I pray. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah. I bless you. For more information, to give, or if you need prayer for anything, visit us online at reallifeministries.org. Shalom.